So we're going to have our reading now from Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. For I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and having the knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so, so that no one may deceive you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, and I rejoice to see your morale and the firmness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him who the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him you were, you were circumcised with spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespass, and the, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave all our trespasses. Amen. Oh, that's good. Back to normal again. But the, the letter of Colossians is a fantastic letter full of powerful metaphors and, 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 and deep understanding um, to help a community understand its identity in Christ, who it is, under pressure um, from the society around them and from the culture around them and from um, the religious system around them, which was relative, was pagan, uh, Roman and Greek gods and deities, which they were expected to worship and be part of. But also they had this pressure from um, the, the, the traditional Jewish community who, who put Christians under pressure to be under the law, to be circumcised, and to follow all the traditions of Judaism. And these Christians here in Colossia, Colossia um, have to navigate between these two things. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ who has been renewed and justified and transformed in him in the middle of all this pressure around us to conform to different traditions in different ways? How do we remain faithful to God and witness for him what Jesus has been done. And remember, um, this is a church that was set up by um, Epaphras, which is, was a co-worker of Paul. So Paul was never, although he's writing this letter to this church in Colossians, he's never been there. He's never visited that church. He, had, he didn't set it up. It was his co-worker who set it up. And his co-worker comes and visits him in prison. Paul's actually in prison when he's writing this letter. And his co-worker comes and writes to him and says, Look, the church is doing really, really well, 
but we need some encouragement. The church is growing, it's developing, people are following God, but we're under this pressure, you know, because we need this teaching and understanding of who we are in Christ, what is our identity, how should we live to witness to God in the world around us, what are the most key and important things that we need to grasp in the middle of the pressure from what Paul calls elemental spirits, which are the philosophies and the traditions and the religion and the gods of the, the Greek and Roman society, and also the pressure um, to conform to Judaism and to be sort of Christian Jews and, and that, that culture also. What, what, what's the key thing? What do we need to do, Paul? What are the things that we need to do to honour God and glorify God in our life? And Paul just gives it straight to this church and he tells them you know that Jesus is the image of the invisible God when we see Jesus we see God we know who God is so the best thing that we can do is to learn from Jesus because when we learn from Jesus and understand who Jesus is and see his life then we start to understand the character of God the life of God the power of God because we've seen God in the flesh so when we see Jesus, it says that we see who God is. That's amazing, isn't it? That we have in our scriptures a picture, understanding of the nature and the character of Jesus. And through that, we understand who God is. And therefore, we understand who we should be and how we should live and how our life should be reflected in God. Then he's... Uh, and he shares the identity of the creator of all things, and all things have been created through Jesus. No, Jesus is not just the image of God. All things were created through Jesus. All creation, everything, even we were created through Jesus. He, he is incredible. He, he is God with us, God for us, the God who created us, the God who desires us, the God who loves us, the God who redeemed us and saved us and restored us and brought us back into relationship with God. And so Paul starts to talk about what it means to follow him. And, and from perspective, particularly from a perspective of being baptized in Christ. And I just want to um, start with a, a little bit of story about the, the, the character of God. And it's, about, it's, a, it's a funny little story. It's about a 16 year old who in, in America just got his, his, his driving permit. And he asked his father, who was a minister, if they could discuss the use of the car, could he borrow the car on occasions on weekends that he could go out and drive it? And his father took him to his study and said to him, I'll make a deal with you. You bring up your grades, make your grades much better, start getting better results you know, at school. We can talk about it. Um, and he said to him, if you study your Bible just a little bit, just study your little Bible a little bit and show me that you're learning from the Bible and you're understanding a bit about the Bible. That's good. And he said, get a, if you get a haircut, we'll talk about it. So he wanted them to, to get better grades, study the Bible a little bit and get a haircut. That's all the boy had to do to start to get to use the car. And about a month after his father had said this, um, he, he saw his son and he saw his grades. He saw... Um, how you've been reading the Bible and he says I've been really really impressed and um, you've done everything I've asked you to do you've studied your Bible diligently um, you've brought your grades up but you didn't get a haircut 
And the young man waited a moment and replied, you know, Dad, I've been thinking about that. You know, Samson had long hair. Moses had long hair. Noah had long hair. And even Jesus had long hair, to which his father replied, yes. And they walked everywhere they went. So the boy learned a bit about, about, about the, the character of God and his father taught him a, letter, a lesson. And so Paul's letter addresses the Colossians to remind them that, the, that through their baptism, they have been raised to new life with Christ. And the old life, which was once theirs, is hidden in Christ. That's incredible, isn't it? They've been baptized with Christ and um, they've been raised to new life in Christ. And that old life has died. As Jesus died and rose again, therefore when we die with Christ, our old life dies, it's gone, it is hidden in that death, it's no longer there, although it still has effects on us. It's no longer there, it's dead, it's hidden in Christ. And we rise up from baptism to live a new life for Christ Jesus. Sometimes we just think about um, the baptism as being um, just a symbol that we've accepted Jesus into our life. It's much more. It's a marker. It's symbolic. It's powerful. It states something which happens in our life that is transformed and renewed. And we're witnessing to that to say that I have accepted Jesus Christ into my life. He is now my Lord and Savior. I believe in him. And when I went to that water, I'm dying to my old self. And all that was old, all that was past, all that was wrong, all that was against God, all that was selfish and greed and heart and pain, all the brokenness of the past that held me back in my life, that now goes into that water and it dies and it's hidden with Christ. And when I come up, that's gone and I'm living a new life. Okay, we're still in a struggle, but I'm living a new life of Christ and I've been clothed in Jesus Christ and I'm putting on the character and the life of Jesus, which is love, peace, kindness, hope, gentleness, generosity, all these wonderful things, long-suffering, um, long-bearing, forgiveness, all these things that, that are really difficult, really challenging, because they require the renewing and the transformation of our characters. And we know that our characters, and however hard we try, are corrupted. But when we grasp that and say, look, I'm dead to that. I, I don't want selfishness and greed and despair and hopeless in my life anymore. I want to rejoice even in difficult times. I want to rejoice. I want to have joy even in the most challenging times. I want to have hope even in the most challenging times. I want to show God's love in my life even in the most challenging times. So I'm putting to death those things that take me into negativity, those things that take me away from God, those things that break my relationships, those things that make me sad, those things that don't do any good in my life. I'm dying to them. I'm dead to them. I don't want them anymore. They're gone in Jesus' name. I rebuke them in Jesus' name and say, I'm moving into the character of God. And every morning I wake up, I'm dressing myself in those characteristics. Every morning I'm putting on peace. Every morning I'm putting on kindness. Every morning I'm putting on hope. Every morning I'm putting on joy. Every morning I'm putting on forgiveness. I'm, I'm rising and I'm putting on the characteristics of God. And this is God's gift to us. It's the opportunity to us to have a new life, a new vision, a new purpose, and a new reality around us when we're struggling 
with the real issues of life around us. And that's the reality, you know, we, we need this new vision, this new purpose, new, new, this new direction, this new life, as we struggle with the reality of the world and the life and the pressures around us. And it's the same for the Colossians. They, they were living under that pressure of where they were living in a society where times were pretty desperate. There was slavery, greed, decadence, poverty, dictatorship, violence, a lack of power. Yet within this society, within this time, within these pressures where they were being forced to conform, do I conform to to the Greek and Roman philosophies and gods? Do I just go and worship them? Do I try and just fit in with society and do what they do and not stand out and get persecuted because of Jesus? Or or do I just conform to Judaism and, and, and take go to the synagogue and, and, and act like a Jewish person? Or, or do I try to find who I am in Christ and live this life of purpose? Because it's easy to be a religious person. It's easy to say, well, I'm going to choose religion, be whatever religion you want to choose, and, and try to be sort of moralistic within it. But you can still say, well, I, I believe in God, I'm religious, I'm that. But our characters don't change, are not transformed. And that's not the point of being in relationship with God. When you're a Christian, it's about renewal and transforming, the transformation, the renewal of your mind, renewal of your character, so your character becomes more like God's. It's extremely challenging. It's difficult, but it's worth every moment of it. And so when in baptism, when we're raised with Christ and our baptism, we've entered a new life shaped by the resurrection power of God, the forgiveness of sins and an opportunity to learn a way of life. And that's right, it's a way of life to learn a way of life through the renewing of your mind, through the transformation of your character, through the transformation of your every aspect of who you are that reflects God's will. In God's kingdom, and not what society expects of us, not perhaps what people expect of us, but to reflect God's will and to reflect God's kingdom come in our world. Baptism is dying to the old and a commitment to a new way of life, a kingdom life which shapes us personally and transforms the world around us. Raised to new life with Christ, you focus your mind on the visions and goals and lifestyles of the kingdom, which we see reflected in the life of Jesus Christ. And so Paul's presenting a clash of two visions, two, two, two aspects of characteristics. And since Paul talks about flesh, but flesh is those characteristics, those values, those ways of life that go against God's will and purpose, that God sees as wrong and unholy and not right. So when we talk about flesh, we're talking about characteristics, lifestyle, aspects of who we are that go against God's values and purpose. And when we talk about God's spirit, the fruits of the spirit, God's life, we're talking about the things that bring pleasure to God because we're becoming more like him and our lives have become better and, uh, and improved. And there's the king, God's kingdom vision of peace, joy, patience, self-control, kindness, love, daily characteristics which you wear and bring 
upon every aspect of our life to honour God. Versus a vision of our life at its worst, fornication, impurity, evil passions, evil desire and greed, idolatry, which dishonours God and our neighbour. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen an old film called Wall Street, where it had a character called Gordon Gecko, and, and it sort of encapsulates this vision of what is wrong when the world is shaped by greed. Gecko argues in a meeting with shareholders of a, of, a, of a company he wants to take over that greed, for a lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of, of evolutionary spirit. Greed in all its forms, greed for life, greed for money, greed for love, greed for knowledge, has marked the upward search, surge of mankind. A statement which promotes that greed is good and honours wrong actions which abuse, hurt, distort uh, and are soul destroying and selfish that to the point because actually it's doing me good and it's making my life death better. Greed is good. It doesn't matter who it crushes under. And that, that is still, we still see that in our society where people live in such a selfish way that they're willing to crush others around them to get whatever they want in whatever way they need. And to be honest with you, we all do it in certain aspects and small ways within our lives that we, um, that we do. So how can we change? Well, your most limiting belief always holds you back and causes you to, to slide backwards. So what can we do? Well, in our Wednesday Bible study, we, we challenge people to, to think about the fruits of the spirit of kindness, goodness, hope, love, self-control, um, forgiveness, long-suffering, all these aspects of things. We ask them to, to reflect on them. And um, you could, you could, one thing you could do, you could pray, God, look into my life, my characteristics, and show me where I'm lacking love, lacking peace, lacking kindness, where I'm being selfish, where I'm being greedy, um, where I'm lacking self-control, where I'm not able to forgive. And God, start to reveal areas in my life that, that need to be transformed and changed. That, that's a good thing to do, to, to look at a scripture in Colossians or Galatians or all the ones that talk about the fruits of the Spirit and, and actually say, I'm going to meditate, reflect on this, God, and reveal to me what needs to be transformed. Show me my most limiting belief. Show me where I'm lacking in the fruit of the Spirit. And um, maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you've thought about it. Maybe you think there's areas in your life that think, well, I'm really strong in that. But there's actually one area where, you're, where you think I'm weak. Maybe I'm a bit too selfish. Maybe I have been greedy. Maybe I'm not. I haven't been able to offer forgiveness in the way that I feel I should be able to forgive as God has forgiven me. And so you might pick one area or one area of your life, be a fruit of the Spirit, and say, God, I want to be more forgiving. So, Father, help me to forgive as you forgive me. Help me to forgive those who trespass against me as I've trespassed against others. Lord, help me to look at times when I've been forgiven, when I haven't deserved it, yet people have offered me that forgiveness and have I offered other people that same forgiveness also. So there might be one aspect of the spirit, gifts of the Spirit that you might want to look at, reflect on and meditate on because the, what is that limiting belief that you have 
maybe that's a sense of identity. Maybe, maybe you feel that your lifestyle in general, your characteristics limits you and holds you back, that you don't feel that identity as a child of God. But let me tell you, when you believed in him, when you were baptized in him, you made that symbolic commitment to say that I'm, my old life is dead with Christ. Make that old life dead with Christ and come alive in Christ. Just die to it and say, rebuke it in Jesus' name and say, I don't want that old aspect of myself in my life anymore. I rebuke that characteristic in Jesus' name. I rebuke selfishness. I rebuke the, the evil desires. I rebuke fornication. I rebuke adultery. I rebuke all the things that have been part of my life that I no longer want anymore. And I want to have blessing and hope and fruitfulness in my life. So I'm going to rebuke those things and, and start to live in an identity you have. I rebuke those things then your characteristics that do not reflect the identity of God. And note that it's not our perfect self that we are called to be. We're not called to be perfect. We're called to follow him and believe in him and to be holy as he is holy. But that, that means to take on his characteristics. We're not called to be perfect, but we're starting in our, in our brokenness and our and the pressures around us in your life, and I'm sure you've got many pressures and many issues going at the moment, we're called to do the best that we can to take on the, 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 the characteristics of God enabled by the Holy Spirit. We've got to be renewed and transformed and say, God, renew me every day, transform me every day, God, help me to reflect who you are every day, God. If that's one thing that we can pray, God, help me to reflect who you are that I might be renewed, that I might reflect your love and your power, your peace, who you are in the world, that people, that I don't even have to speak a word, that people will see through my life and through the fruit of my life and through my actions who you are, so that when I do speak, it's affirming who I am and what I've done. Be focused on God's kingdom and God's values, not our values, not our kingdom, not our purpose. You know, it's right that we... We prosper, it's right that we have jobs, it's right that we grow and develop, but actually they've got to bring brought in submission to God's kingdom and God's values and say, how can I use all that God has blessed me with to, to build God's kingdom and to influence God's values and influence the world around us as we serve God's purpose in our lives. And the challenge is to have a laser-guided focus on becoming the renewed person God wants you to be versus what you are afraid of in life, versus what limits you in life, what limits your faith, what limits your holiness, what limits your your desire to go to, to worship God, to serve God, to be like Christ. In um, Philippians chapter 4, Verse 8, Paul says, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the, and the God of peace will be with you. So keep persevering for whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pleasing to God, whatever is commendable to God. Keep pursuing it. Keep seeking after it. Keep understanding it. Look for people who can support you and help you and understand who God is in a greater way so that you can be transformed and become greater 
uh, a greater and better in your life and in your your faith. And Paul, he had that focus. He was going for that prize, that goal, that crown, that glory. He was chasing after. He was running that race. And he said, I want to run that race that when I stand before my Father in heaven, that I will wear that crown with glory and honor, that he will see me as my as his servant. And I have served him and I've poured my life out as a, as a drink offering for the church and for the world. And I've served God the best I can do. And if we can say that thing that as well, you know, my life may not be perfect. I may have not done all the right things, but you know what? I've poured my life out as a cup offering and a drink offering for the world. I've, I've poured out my life to serve God. I've did my best to, to bring the character of God into my life, and I'm still being transformed and changed. Then what more can we do but to pursue that and chase after it, desire it, and to hunger for it, hold, and then hold fast to what we have attained. It's to reflect on it. And um, the one thing later on in... in um, October time we're going to be looking at um, ways in which we can grow in our discipleship in faith but um, one one thing that we use in theology and life and other things is called the pastoral cycle and um, as said before in sermons that we tend to we tend to have issues that happen in life and we go woo away down there and we have to find our way back up again and find our way back up to a place of stability and hope after being in a place of crisis and despair and difficulty and challenge but the hope is that we just don't have a life that keeps on going up and down, up and down. But actually, we live a reflective life in which we can actually um, deal with issues. And so that actually, rather than going whoop, 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 up and down, we have more like a slingy life that we're always going to have troubles. We're going to always have difficulties, but we need to learn to deal with them. And so that as we go along, our, our life is more like a, 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 a slingies, you know, little circles going along rather than big big um, drops going down into despair, but slingies and circles going along, showing how we've reflected and how we've dealt with issues and challenges and difficulties in life, how we've learned from them, become more holy, more like God, how our characteristics have been transformed in God. And the way that we can do that is, is to, when we have a situation, a challenge, observe, you know, what's God doing here? What's God saying here? What, what's going on here? My goodness me, I'm in the midst of this trial and difficulty, but I'm going to observe to see God working here. What is God doing here in the midst of it? I'm going to reflect on it. I'm going to reflect on what I've observed, and I'm going to think, I'm going to look at the scripture. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to seek after God and say, God, help me in this moment to think about how I can be more like you, how I can bring holiness and hope and joy in this situation, reflect on it, and then discuss with others. Find somebody to discuss with, somebody we chat with, and say, look, I'm going through this challenge. I'm going through this change in my character. I've realized, actually, there's things in me that need to be changed and transformed. Discuss that with somebody that you trust, and then actually start to talk to them about, say, how can I start a process of change that I don't just fall into despair and hopelessness, but actually I can be transformed in God's love, and make a plan. Make a plan for transformation, Make a commitment in prayer to God. Write it down and say, God, I want to be more forgiven in my life. You know, where's areas that I can forgive? Who can I forgive? Who can I ask forgiveness of? And start start to build up a plan about how you can develop forgiveness in your life. Or maybe your your life is always in chaos. You need peace. Start to make a plan, discuss, reflect, and think, how can I have more peace in my life? How can I have more calmness? more hope that I'm not always just freaking out and and just just uh, absolutely destroyed and broken by events in life, but that I can have peace and a hope 
in circumstances and make a plan for that peace, for that forgiveness of life and be accountable to someone for it. Be accountable and get, get somebody you've shared with or discussed with and say, get them to ask you, so have you been more peaceful this week? Who have you forgiven? Have you accepted forgiveness? And then act and start to live your life in a way that offers more forgiveness and is more peaceful. And we can start these processes of change and transformation in our lives. And that's what Paul calls us to do. So in all things, so finally, beloved, whatever you need to do to be closer to God, to take on his character, to be transformed, just do it. Seek after him and do it in the best way you can in the power of the Holy Spirit and be genuine in it and God will bless you and God will enable you and God will build you up in his holy name. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Father, we know each one of us um, comes before you in humbleness, reflecting on the gifts of your Spirit, reflecting on the fruits of your Spirit. And Father, knowing that we want more, more of your characteristics, more of your holiness in our lives, that we want to be like you. So Father, I just pray, Lord, where there's a lack of love, that your Spirit will build up a love in that person's now, Lord, life now, Lord. And where there's a lack of forgiveness, Lord, that you will bring forgiveness to them and that they will be able to forgive others. Where there's a lack of peace, Father, in your spirit now, you will bring peace to that person, to that family, to that situation now. And Lord, where some days feeling hopeless, that you will bring hope. And where some days living in despair, that they will be able to rejoice and find joy in all circumstances and a strength and a peace that goes beyond all human understanding. So Father, you just start to break the chains now in your Holy Spirit. Start to release people now to live for you and like you, Lord, that we're not called to be perfect, but we're called to hunger and desire after your kingdom and after your righteousness, more than food and drink. So, Lord, give us that desire to hunger and desire for your life and your characteristics for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.